Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. Hello, and welcome to Coding the Future. I am so honored that you have joined me for another hour. Coding the Future is an education-based show to give you information and action tips to help working adults to guide them to a new level of tech savvy through leveraging your own skill set. We share the inside scoop on tech trends, explain how to leverage current technology in your career, and explore how your talents can be the key to your tech success. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. I'm an educator, technologist, entrepreneur, lover of all things to do with swimming and water and sunshine, mom of two boys. I enjoy a great cup of coffee in the morning, a glass of wine at night. I'm an avid list maker, mm, lots of notepads, and a lifelong learner. And I am so glad that you have joined me for this hour of Coding the Future. This show is going to be focused on the very powerful and the individuals that, of course, make my heart go pitter-patter, and that is the field of education and teachers. Today's episode is called Scaling Your Teaching, and I want us to think about how do we as educators think about taking our skill set and leveraging it so that we scale our teaching. So many conversations are had around scaling business, scaling nonprofit, scaling uh, corporate work, you know, small business versus corporate, or even scaling content within your community. And I don't think that we take enough stock and value in our own skill set as educators to think about how we can use our own skill set, scale to a degree in which we really become the facilitators of learning and empower our students to go to that next level. So today we're going to spend some time with me, and then I have an incredible guest with me, Renee Hauser, who will join us in the second half, who you've heard before on this show, but her insight and privy to how we think about scaling our learning and reading, and then together we have uh, joined our forces and our, our minds to create a new venture called Living Your Learning, which you'll hear more about, where we're really taking this concept of learning and professional development and making it very applicable to individuals. But let's get started a little bit about what do I mean by scaling our teaching? I think often about when I was in the classroom every day, and I'm not in the classroom every day right now, but I am still in the school system working But one of the things that I found is that I would get up really early and I'd be so exhausted when I got home in the in the evenings. And of course, that happens across the board, no matter what we're doing, right? No matter really what role you're taking in terms of working. But in the classroom, you have to use so much of you have to be present, you have to you have your physical stamina, your mental stamina, and be able to move and be flexible at the drop of a hat if a child needs help or there's behavior issues or whatever might happen. There's so many stimuli that happened each day in a classroom. So when I started teaching, I was teaching computer science and teaching programming in particular. And I found it was really hard for me to stand up in front of them and and lecture because it clearly was not seeking into their brain. So I had to begin thinking of ways in which I could diversify how I was teaching, differentiate, which is a key term in education, 
But then also think about how to take what I knew in my head and try and scale it so more kids could understand what I was thinking. So I've always felt like no matter what we were doing, there was some kind of connection between the academic learning and the learning that we that happens outside the classroom. And when teaching programming became really essential for me that, and I still to this day do this, thinking about how do we marry what is a variable to what we're learning in a computer programming language to what we see in our actual everyday life. And so my thought process began to be making videos, leveraging a learning learning management system, creating content that was um, reusable. Now, all these are all things, of course, that teachers already do. But really, really thinking about how do I think about what I'm doing and then be able to replicate in a way that is still meaningful to students. And a lot of that came with using video, which I think is a really powerful way for us to to scale our, our teaching in terms of taking what we know, creating video content, sharing it with students where they can start and stop at different points, but then still have access to you there in the classroom to be able to ask questions. But a couple of things have come to mind as I've thought about what do we do in when we're thinking about the lessons and the content that is relevant for our age group, relevant for what young people should be learning or progressing through each school year. So let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, when I say scaling my, your teaching, what I mean is creating a framework or a pattern for you to be able to take your expertise replicate it, but do so in a way that is meaningful and purposeful. So a couple things we're going to talk about. One is to think about using video. And I mean that it could either be a recording of you, a screen recording, and taking your content. And you may have to update that video every couple of months or whatnot. But it's a great way to still have contact with your students. Kids are very receptive to video at this point and have them be able to stop and stop, uh, stop and start with the video content. The other thing that I want to think about that I think is really powerful is having that cat- classification and categor- categorize. Let me get my words out. How to classify and categorize your resources. And what I mean by that is when I say classify and categorize your resources, that doesn't mean necessarily just those handheld items that you have in your classroom. This is where I want you to start thinking about outside of the classroom. Who are the people that you know that are in your community that are walking the walk of whatever it is that you teach? Are there authors in your community? Are there chefs? Are there engineers? Are there individuals that are web developers? Are there um, scientists? Are there historians? Who in your community can you reach out to that can help support your work? So when we're thinking about an overarching look at your content or how your content is being implemented, who in your, you know, within six degrees of separation, could you call to help you support? And what that support could look like would be examples of word problems of things that they may have to solve in the field. Have them come in as guest speakers, come in to support a project. Having your community members and your family and friends help support your classroom, A, scales your ability to be able to show students how what they're learning is outside the classroom. But it also 
frees up your mindset to be able to to be a facilitator and have the community members help you lead that class, taking some of the lift off of you. Over the past couple of weeks, I'm really excited to announce that I have launched a innovation journal. And the innovation journal is called Reignite Your Spark. And I am going to put a little drop here for this because I'm really excited about, about the journal in general because I've spent a lot of years really thinking about how do I continue to to soar in my craft as an educator, continue to be a lifelong learner while also keeping some mental capacity to be able to be a great mom, a wife, a daughter, a sister, a friend, and all those other pieces that fill up my buckets. So I always think about buckets in um, my and, and filling those up so that I'm at my full capacity of, of passion and, and, and in particular for what I do as a career. So the journal is an innovation journal. It's called Reignite Your Spark. As I mentioned, you can find it on Amazon, Reignite Your Spark Innovation Journal under Dr. Sharon Jones. And in it is really for you to sit back and think about each unit that you're teaching. What are the big goals? Where do you see innovation within what you're teaching? And who do you know in your community? So when we're thinking about taking videos, as I mentioned before, which I know maybe sounds trite because many of you probably have already been doing videos for this whole year while you've been on COVID. But keep that up. Keep going with those videos and leveraging that learning management system to keep that blended piece happening. But those videos are also an awesome way for you to reach out to community members and say, hey, would you mind recording a five to 10 minute, maybe five minutes max video about what you do and then maybe show uh, show where they work if they're allowed to do that. You know, hey, this is our office or hey, this is a co-working space. So students can begin to see what you're teaching in action. And this happens in math and science and reading. You know, one of the things Renee and I will talk about in our next section is about how we see, she sees literacy and everything and I see computer science and everything. And when we think about really applying what we're learning having someone from the community talk to the students about how they use reading and writing each day does help give some relevance and clarity and gives you the ability to sit back and watch those kids think and innovate in a different way. So the innovation journal on each page is broken down so you can take each uh, unit that you have. And it's not necess- it's not a lesson plan. It's not even... Um, a unit plan. It's more about creating a framework and a mindset that, hey, this we're going to be talking about plants. Who do I know in my community that is an avid gardener? And it could just be a friend. Or could I call one of our garden centers to help us? Or is there a local farmer or someone, or if I live in a community that has lots of agriculture, local grocery store, who could we reach out to that would help facilitate this conversation? and get that spark going. And then relating those concepts. So when we think about someone who works in the garden center, they can answer all kinds of questions about why one plant needs more sun and one needs more shade. And that actually takes that lift off of you as the teacher to have to even create the content because the person in the community center can record a video and or call in for a quick talk at any time uh, during your school day. So check out the journal and and 
And what I'd hope is that if you use it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, it's definitely a work in progress and I will continue to keep uh, innovating with it myself, but I use it as a framework when I'm working with schools to think about how do we change the conversation around computer science and STEM and technology. I often hear people say, oh, I'm not a technologist or I'm not a techie, but we all are. And we all have our own skill sets that we can leverage. So I talk often in conversations about what I call the boomerang effect. So this is another part here. Um, the third thing that I want to mention, the first piece was using video to look, to scale your teaching. The second is to think about uh, categorizing your resources. And what I mean by resources is not just the pencil and paper resources that you're using. The resources that you have via the technology and your community. Who in your community can help support what you're teaching? And then number three is to really think about how do you take what you are learning and what you're teaching, excuse me, and relate that to the real world. So you've brought some community members in. How can you reach out or think about what's happening in the community right now that will allow you to be able to relate what you're teaching to current events. Like right now we have the Olympics going on. In the fall, it's all about the growing season. It's also about Thanksgiving and, and holidays. We could you can put holidays in there or not. But what you know the the end of the the fall season has so many great things that happened happen in terms of events and things that are happening in the community, basketball, soccer, if you want to relate it to sports or art festivals, science experiments, different things that can happen um, in the fall. But in particular, I was thinking about the Olympics and how that would be an exciting time, even though it will be passed while many of you start again. It is still a great area to talk about how and how much that has brought our it will bring our country together in terms of uniting around our athletes. So that's a, a, thinking about relating it to the real world is a great way to think about scaling your teaching. Where, again, if you relate it to the real world, you relate it to somebody in the community, and then you leverage your technology to be able to facilitate that message, you're beginning to create that framework where you are, don't feel like you're running the grind every single day. When I work with schools, we talk a lot about creating that framework and understanding how do we see computer science and innovation in almost everything we do. We, we technology has changed the way in which we interact on a daily basis with others. How do we take that and really think about it as a creative mechanism and not just a consumable? The way in which we progress with technology is because we've been innovative. We've thought about all the different things that, you know, innovate along the way that, I mean, let me clarify that in a better, better manner. People have had great ideas and then have figured out a way to make technology work to make that innovation come to life. That a lot of that, you think about all the way back to the printing press, the wheelbarrow. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can think about how people put things together to solve a problem. And then as we've moved along and we've had more uh, access to technology, I mean, to electricity and to other engineering and manufacturing, we're able to leverage technology. 
Number four is, okay, so let me go back to number one is using that video. Number two is using your community. Number three is thinking about connecting it to real life. And then number four is the last piece that I like to talk about a lot. And it's called the boomerang effect. And this is where you find yourself constantly going back to something that makes your heart go pitter patter, something that allows your that is really where you find your niche, where you find your hot spot, like what it is that really gets your gears turning. And whenever you find that that boomerang and you're going back, you can take that piece. And so this is that skill set that you can leverage. Do you really enjoy making video? Do you really enjoy writing? Do you really enjoy experimenting? Do you like piddle paddling on the computer and figuring out new softwares to use? Do you like to uh, read about historical fiction or like to read about um, history and what's happened? Are you passionate about food? Do you love art? And then taking those passions and integrating that into your teaching. So even if they're in middle or high school, every child still loves to color. Every child still loves to be read to. How do we integrate those things that you are your boomerang effect into your teaching? So when we think about technology and we think about art, I'm always looking for softwares that include things that are artistic in nature, but you're using the technology to create. If you love food, which mm, I love food, food is such a great way to teach science and math and, and literacy because you have to put all those three together to A, explain how to make a recipe, B, understand why you need to bake for so long or not bake for so long, and then, of course, writing out your recipe or your algorithm so that other people can follow. And again, you can bring in video and audio and all different ways in which to touch kids with the different senses. So when we think about scaling our teaching, what I mean by that is thinking about a way a business would, but let's run our classroom like a business. What can we do that we can use technology to help take some things off our plate? And how can we actually reach out to those that we know to help support us in the classroom? Then think of, really think about innovation in terms of how do you use the technology that's been given to you or ask you if you have a learning management system or an LMS, how do you really do, like get to know how to use that learning management system to make your teaching go to that next level? You still need the face-to-face with the students. Nothing replaces that. But there's this wonderful way that we can see the blended version of being able to really elevate what we're doing in the classroom, using technology, using our community, relating it to the real world. And then in the middle, bring in that boomerang effect where you're thinking about what is it that I love to do every day? It'll bring joy and spark back to what you do with teaching. And it gives you a better two feet to stand on when you feel like some days you just want to run into the hallway and start screaming which we all know. And I know this past year has been, there isn't words to put into it. My prayer is that as we move forward, we think about how we're going to teach differently and do so with really our hearts and our minds centered around the passion and the reason why we stepped into education. I would invite you to check out my innovation journal on Reignite Your Spark and tell me what you think. I 
have used it myself to outline how I'm going to work with the school and how I'm going to take different units of study and break them down so that they have computer science involved, they have literacy involved, there's math and almost, you know, in every lesson that we take a look at. And then really taking their community or your community and leveraging the skill sets that are in your community and what makes your community tick and help that be a part of the school culture as well. We need for these pieces to come together, especially as we continue to come back and heal from COVID and really be able to lift our students who have had learning loss and who need our support and how we can help them through really taking all of our skill set and putting it together in a framework to really support scale and have that open mindset and free up some mental capacity for each of us. When we come back after this short break, we're going to be joined by Renee Hauser, and we're going to talk a little bit about how we're scaling teaching through the process of professional development and bringing it to your doorstep through a new partnership that we have formed together called Living Your Learning. I'm still working with schools. If you're interested in taking a moment to figure out how your school might like to go to that next level of scaling and innovation and really thinking about utilizing your community and your resources and those that create that com- the community leaders within your within your area, I would love to have a strategy session. Reach out to me and let's talk. Let's see how I can help your school district or your school really take all those great talents and all those great things that the teachers bring to the table. And educators, remember, you are truly heroes in my book. There is nothing more incredible than watching a teacher turn that light bulb on with a student. It is an incredible, incredible thing. And we as educators have this innate passion to want to help students. And I hope that you can think about scaling your work, scaling how you're implementing by leveraging resources and content that is right around you. So that when you walk in every day and you walk home and then you leave the door, you feel as you have just every day is a great day. So check out more on my website at the.consulting.co, it's C-O, or you can reach out to me at Sharon, S-H-A-R-O-N, at the.consulting.co. Of course, follow us on The Voice America. But when we come back, we still have more conversation to be had with Renee, how we scale, and how we are looking to bring a different look to professional development. Stay with us. From face-to-face training to blended training techniques, The Dot Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed and quality of the expertise in your organization. The Dot Consulting, a new level of tech savvy, Visit the.consulting.co. The world needs more women with tech skills. At the Dottie Rose Foundation, we encourage, support, and educate girls who have an interest in technology 
and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers. Our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. We invite you to connect with the show today by calling in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Sharon at the.consulting.co. Now, back to Coding the Future. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the second half of Coding the Future. And... This second half, I'm joined by one of my dear friends and colleagues, and now my business partner, Renee Hauser, to continue this conversation about scaling your teaching. For me, as I've mentioned before, scaling your teaching is really thinking about how do we find a way to use our resources better, to use our craft better, so that we don't walk away at the end of the day so exhausted. Not that that's not going to happen in some capacity. But I've been doing a lot of this thinking and working around scaling when it comes to business. And I thought, you know, why can't we just apply this to what we're doing in the classroom? And Renee and I have recently come together to launch a new venture called Living Your Learning, which you're going to hear more about shortly. And it's all about being able to master your craft on your own time. Is professional development developed by teachers for teachers and delivered to your doorstep? And at the key of it is that you do it just in time for when you need it and how you want to apply it. There's no hanging, (laughs) anything that's like over your head that you have to implement it. It's just a way to leverage your community, leverage resources that she and I both have cultivated over the years around computer science, innovation, and reading. And then how do you find that fit in your classroom? So I'm thrilled. Renee, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here as always. Well, I'm thrilled because our little venture has come to life and we're getting ready to launch. Actually, we're launching this week as the show is airing. And, you know, this has been a labor of love for us because when I first approached you with this crazy idea about how do we make it so that teachers have a better way to learn because it's so important for us to continue to master our craft of teaching, but we also get weighted down by the constraint of resources, meaning time, effort, (laughs) exhaustion, family, all the other pieces that come together. So when we're thinking about scaling, how do you see what we've developed here with living your learning? Or you can even just back that up a little bit. When I say the word scaling your teaching, what does that mean to you? Um, So many things. So I'm going to like, I'm going to trust that you'll like rein me in here for a second, but I have (laughs) a notebook in hand listening to you set us up. And let's just say first that the idea of decision fatigue alive and well, there are a lot of, um, a lot of bodies of research talk about this, you know, idea of decision fatigue. And a couple of years ago in the New York times, um, I can't remember exactly who, but I can give you this for the show notes, Sharon, but the idea of you know, we spend 
so, uh, especially in the field of education, I think it's like paralleled with like air traffic controllers. Like we are making so many decisions from the time of like, you know, when do we, uh, you know, manage this, this material, this child, this teaching decision, when do we ourselves use the restroom? When do we, you know, there's so much going on. And then taking that on online in a year of COVID, um, you know, it was like hurting cats for me. <laughs> you know, yeah, like absolutely. And with, diving exactly. into something we didn't even like, yes. we've done blended learning, or you've done work possibly with zoom or something, but still figuring out, well, how do I do this? And how do I make them engaged? And will they respond to the chat? All those things. Incredible. Yeah. So like, like literally like when it comes to like, what do I eat for dinner at night? Forget about it. Right. I was, oh my I, gosh, please. It, you know, my mental. So it's so interesting, but the brain is so incredible that we get a chance. Like we get that back, right. Just like sleep, you know, like you, you know, you know, you hit the tank, like the tank is empty, but you can rejuvenate it. You can refill it again. So I am fascinated about thinking about how do we preserve some of that mental energy, that fatigue in thinking about our decision-making process as teachers. So it could be just really interesting to think about, do I have a decision-making framework? Um, is someone else making decisions for me, right? Am I outsourcing decisions or am I insourcing decisions? And then, and how is it working? Like, where am I putting my energy? Like if I studied my decision-making across a day, like what's taking up the most time and energy is interesting. So I think, I think our dis- when I hear scaling our teaching, one thing I do think about is preserving my mental energy so that I can scale it. And also, um, like, where is my mental energy being given? Like, where is it being allocated? And some of it might be a blind spot. Like, I might not even be aware that so much of my teaching energy is going in this one particular direction or not. But those are some of the big questions I ask. Am I outsourcing or insourcing my decision making? Do And if I am insourcing it, well, let me first back this up and say, I'm going to name an elephant in the room is like, if I'm outsourcing it, I would say why? Because only you know the children that you are teaching. So my encouragement would be, let's insource our decision-making protocols. Absolutely, you can lean on resources, but it doesn't feel right to me, right? To like, let someone else make a decision for my classroom, right? I'm in there all day, right? And I trust that I have done my work in terms of being prepared. Um, I've studied, I've learned, I've talked to my colleagues, but I've also most importantly, perhaps has gotten to know the students in my class this year. So if you think about like, what's the recipe for decision-making that could be interesting. And I just cut you off. So let me jump. No, no, no. I was, I'm just nodding my head uh, vigorously because I'm thinking about, you know, I think as an educator, the one thing that is so frustrating for us is that we can go into our classroom and shut our door. And for the most part, we have that ability then to make our own decisions, to to work on that mental fatigue, because that's the part that really gets us. It's more than the physical piece, just all the things that we have to process in a day. A lot of what where I find that we get the burnout is the external forces, all the boxes we have to check in order to amend to whatever's being told around us. And we know that that's probably not going to change anytime soon. So what I'm hearing you say is really being vigilant about how you're using your time and the decisions you're making in the classroom, make that very much of an in-source piece and not like let what's outside be what it is, check those boxes, do what you need to do, and then really hone in on your expertise inside the classroom. A hundred percent. And having you, hearing you say that back, Sharon, is making me think of 
again, I'm going to just put it out there that, you know, I, I believe 100% in personalized instruction. You know, there's a reason why we all pay a little bit more money to have a personal trainer rather than going to the class at the gym. I mean, the class at the gym is fine, but you can hide in the class at the gym, right? Like the instructor might not see you, <laughs> but if you go a little extra route to have that personal trainer, they know you and they're watching you. And from, from session to session, they are designing a workout um, you know, protocol for you, no one else. I mean, it might be some similarities, but if you take that, right, and you put, bring it in our classroom, again, there's some incredible bodies of research that talk about when we are personalizing instruction for children, um, not only do they feel known, right, they feel 100% known and seen, that's all we ever want to know, right, as human beings, but also we're able to see the possibilities and where kids are nudging towards certain areas. And, and we can, again, take that asset lens and say, like, what is this child doing? And how can I leverage it so that I can kind of use that strength to remove some roadblocks that they might not be, you know, that they might be experiencing, whereas in a whole class instruction, all that like whole class, sometimes that's lost a little bit. So I'm not at all saying like, you've got to ditch whole class instruction. But I do think one way to leverage your teaching, to scale your teaching and get some of that mental energy back is because a lot of times we'll say, I taught it. Why aren't they understanding it? Right? Like I taught it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because we might be looking at a whole class um, only. And what would happen if we balance that whole class instruction with some one-on-one -on -one instruction so that kids have that opportunity of feeling known and feeling seen and basically, we're creating an IEP for every student, right? Like, you know, like right. an individual education plan is really important, regardless of your neurodiversity, is we all need individualized instruction. And well, you know, and think about it this way, that one-on-one -on -one doesn't have to be the traditional, you sit with the student. It could be leveraging technology. It could be one-on-one -on -one with another student. It could be a center, I'm really thinking about if we really shift that, like before we were like, oh, no, we have to do one-on-one -on -one teaching with every kid. And, and, I'm not, and some of that may need to be necessary. But in general, we can leverage a lot of the tools that we already have in the classroom to help us differentiate that piece, but then also pro still provide some. And I'm, I, I think peer-to-peer -peer conversation is so powerful. Well, that, I think you're tapping into an awesome, uh, like I have, a, I have so many things, right? So, I'm gonna, but I think feedback is so important to us as right. humans, right? So we get feedback from our colleagues. We as teachers get feedback from children all the time, right? Are they laughing at my joke? Are they mm -hmm. like they're tired? You know, like so. How are we? How are we giving ourselves an opportunity to receive feedback in our day, and how are we using that feedback in our decision making? so that we are preserving that mental energy. And I don't have to go home at night and sit hours upon hours searching the World Wide Web, right, for the next best lesson, because right. really the lessons that need to be taught are going to be answered in that feedback, right? Absolutely. Like I had a conversation with a student, or when I listened to students to student collaborative conversations, when I leaned in and listened, I heard da-da-da, which makes me think I can support them with da-da-da. Um, so I absolutely think about like how we are demystifying, right, you know, our day-to-day -day classroom experience, again, whether it's in secondary, right, it might just be a, for a short period of time, or if it's in elementary, it's across my day, across my week, so that kids are getting whole group, 
small group side by side and one on one conversations with either the one another or their peers. Yeah. Yeah. So then my question turns to a little bit. You and I have spent um, the better part of two decades in education, in the classroom, in administration, in facilitator roles, running our own business back in the classroom. And, you know, we've been in all different levels of of education and teaching. And when we came together to collaborate about thinking about professional development, because it sometimes feels like a, a buzzword and also a word where sometimes teachers are like, Ugh, you know, another PD or another program that's going to come through. And then are we going to implement that? Right. So you and I have talked a lot about how do we give teachers that mojo, reignite their excitement, give them the opportunity to learn in a way that's applicable to them and leverage their resources. One thing you're talking about a lot is about that internal piece. And then I also bring up quite a bit the power of community, using those outside the four walls of the school to help scale what you're doing. So living your learning came about as a way to provide monthly professional development And we're going to say that, but really for the way Renee and I look at it is professional learning, because whether you end up implementing it may or may not be the case. There may not be something every month that is superly aligned. I just used a new word, superly, that is is aligned in a perfect fashion to what you're teaching. But it's that continuous growth and exposure to concepts and content that make you continue to grow and be a better educator. So what will occur is that each month you receive a, well, we originally thought a box, but it's a packet now so it can fit in your, in your school mailbox or in your mailbox. And then in it will be content around a video. There will be a discussion with voices from the field. There will be a content collaborating. There will be, now I'm forgetting about all the different uh, spots, Renee. My brain is, I'm just so excited about it. I got you. Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So voices for the field, we have our chalk talk. Chalk talk, there's the word. I was like, because that chops me out, chalk talk. Chalk talk. Well, it makes me think of, yeah, as we get into this, this will kind of spell this out a little bit, but you hit a note that resonated with me. I think the idea is one thing we wanted to do is demystify professional Because it it depends on in your community, or it just could be a question to ask yourself is like, what's the current culture of professional learning in my community? In some places we go, it is, it's just part of the mission and the vision of the community. In some places we go, it is, you know, like a bad word, you know, it is like, no. And I think that for, I, you know, I think it's safe to say that we, I mean, we're in the business of education for crying out loud, right? So it's a little silly to think that it has this negative stigma to it because learning is ongoing. And so in some places we might have to just shift the power. Like as the teacher, I am not, I do not hold all the power, right? My job is to actually empower all the students in the class. So we have a shared collaboration and the same thing with schools. Like there is not like one educator, like there is a leader, of course, but we together co-author as teachers, we co-author shared experiences. I do think that professional learning is really important to a thriving school community, right? Like we all see ourselves as learners and we learn every day, you know? Um, And so I think that living your learning is that idea of we are learning every single day 
And Sharon and I, I think why we vibe so well together is because literally every part of our day, I see literacy in literally every part of your day, Sharon, you see computer science and technology all the time in who is who we are and that we really kind of embrace and, and, and love learning. Um, And so when I talk to, you know, a friend of mine who is in, you know, the theater world or the physical therapy world, and they tell me about their every day, I can't help but hear there's so much literacy work in your every day. And so that's what I love about living your learning is the voices from the field piece is that Sharon and I have asked good friends of ours and colleagues who love what they do just to talk right about what they do. And then Sharon and I unpack right that like everyday life learning for them in our chalk talk segment to say like, okay, here is some literacy work that our friend Anika uses in her everyday life as a Broadway performer. And here is some computer, computer science and engineering and technology that she uses in her everyday life learning. So here's where I think, Sharon, where I think where we could, where living your learning helps us scale our teaching is in all of the aspects, but our chalk talk aspect is this idea of we, we try to present a fairly agnostic concept. Right. So whether you're teaching geometry or second grade, we are going to present um, a piece of curriculum, you know, kind of learning theory for lack of a better word to think, okay, like how can I apply, um, you know, how to schedule my day or how to use visual teaching tools. So I think the chalk talk is pretty agnostic and we hope to present something that will either confirm something that's already happening in your teaching practice or maybe, you know, spark a little curiosity. And that you can take it because it's not, because it's not a program, like you don't have to like go lockstep and key. I think what we hope in our living your learning um, components is that we are going to inspire an idea that you'll take and run with it in your own classrooms when it makes sense back to your idea of like, if it doesn't make sense for today, when you're watching the video, then next week, it might make sense or as you prepare to like launch a new study. Or you'll see something, and like you said, it doesn't maybe implement right this second, but in a month or so, you may think back, oh, yeah, remember that Voices from the Field. And then we always give you the opportunity to think about in your own community. So we have reached out to people in our community that are local or national that are working and doing and implementing literacy, computer science, mathematics, engineering, all of those things in their everyday life. Because in the real world, we're not siloed. While we are specialists in our fields for education and social studies, math, et cetera, we know that we apply every piece of what we learned in elementary school in our middle and high school days. We we write every day, we communicate, we listen, we verbalize. I say this all the time, and there was a turning point when Renee was said, you know, even when you're building or you're drawing, you're writing because you're writing that story in your head on how you want to draw what you're putting on the piece of paper. You know, and technology was so uh, so apparent in theater, it's so apparent in engineering, it's so apparent in cooking and in fashion, and some of the subscription uh, packets that you'll receive all will have a theme around a particular concept. So we have things around cooking and food, which by the way is one of my favorites, fashion, theater, film, mathematics, or oh, engineering and interior design. We also are going to do things around construction. We're going to look at story writing and authorship. And then we're going to look at robotics. I mean, there's all different elements that we're gonna pull in that will allow you to use something in some capacity 
with what you're doing in your in your classroom. And at the end, you're able to earn some continuing education units that you can apply in whichever capacity you would like. But the core piece of this is, and I'm going to try not to cry about it because I've thought about this so long and hard. Education is such an important part of our culture and how we're going to move forward. And teachers are amazing humans. Teachers, uh, those that work in the school system for support, for your administrators, it is one of the hardest jobs anybody can accept to take on. Anything around public service, we all know we, we just are, are indebted to our, our service industries and police and, and firefighters and those that work in the hospitals and around. But educators have this wonderful special gift. And when we don't empower and support them, it is, it is, it is affecting our children. And for the two of us, our passion is education. I will forever be an educator, no matter if I'm in the classroom or not, I'm always a part of education in some capacity. And I'm really honored and excited to work with Renee on this and, and to provide that spark of inspiration for our teachers that I think they need more than ever right now. And to know that they're supported, even if sometimes they don't feel that way within their own buildings, the bigger collective, Renee and I are cheering. We are cheering and we are, we are walking along beside. So now I'm a little too emotional, but thinking, <laughs> I want educators to think about this as a way to harness your expertise and make your day brighter and more efficient. A hundred percent. Because, and I think that just to echo that, that we believe in teachers a hundred percent. And I think out of coming out of a global pandemic, there are more and more people who do see the importance work of educators. And so the education system might be broken, but the teachers are not, right? And so yes. there, are, there are things that we have been revealed to us that are antiquated and have been disrupted and maybe even more things that need to be disrupted. But I think the system at large is broken, but the teachers are not. And so we come alongside of you for the last couple of decades, but this is, a, again, a way to think, how can we come together all of us, how's there a way to even, you know, to scale the professional development circles that we lean on. And we're hoping to do that in terms of living your learning, the living your learning community is going to be mostly virtual, right, which we now know is not something to be feared, but to be embraced, you know, and we'll have these ideas of you know, monthly gatherings, where we'll get together and talk and, and think through what's coming up one of the celebrations. There's going to be printables because even myself, I still like to have something in my hand, right, to look at. Um, and then videos, right, videos to like watch. You could even take like the, the great thing about voices in the field that we love is that you could show them to students, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could show Anika, you know, us talking to Anika to your students and then just talk and some great opportunities that we trust that you'll make uh, for your students in your community. Um, and so we've really been thinking about, yeah, like, okay. Is there a binder? Can we create a binder and we can have some physical resources that we can, you know, some paper resources that we can turn to over and over again? Can we turn to these videos, watch them together with my team, watch them together with students or families or even, yeah, we have a, we have a local playhouse here. Let's invite somebody from like our local. So we're really hoping that there are um, like you'll, we're going to trust that you'll make the connections happen. Um, 
And uh, that's the beautiful thing about education, right? Is that it's constantly creating, um, collaborating together. Um, Super excited to hear what the community at large does with the, you know, our springboard of inspiration, so to speak. Right. And feedback. We were going to listen to the feedback as well. So as teachers experience the uh, packets in the each month of the development and they provide feedback, we're going to use that ourselves to grow and develop and change as a consistent learning process. There's something in the tech world called agile framework. An agile framework is where you do things in sprints. So you put out X amount and then you get feedback and then you fix it and you loop it <laughs> and then you um, put it back out there and you try again and you know until you get the product right and that's exactly what our plan is is to do exactly what Renee mentioned in terms of listening to feedback taking that feedback and put it into action and making this a very mobile and agile product each month so that every month as we come out we get better and better and better and more applicable to what you need as an educator and for us too because one of the things as Renee mentioned we're, we're learning every day and growing and developing and I learn something new all the time and as to she and like we see reading and writing all those things but so I want to center this back because I don't want to make it a total marketing ploy for Living Your Learning, although it is an amazing product. You can go to livingyourlearning.education and sign up for our list or uh, be ready to purchase a year subscription. It's, you can do a year subscription and then pay monthly or in full, et cetera. Or if your district is interested in buying X amount of subscriptions for your teachers, that would be great. We still encourage that these subscriptions be individualized so that each person gets their own packet. So they have their own materials and their own way in which to embrace that learning. But I want to go back to the notion again about scaling our teaching in business. We talk about this all the time. How do we make ourselves more efficient? How do we use resources? How do we use technology? How do we niche down and really hone in on that expertise and make it bigger and better? And that is what I'm hoping that teachers and educators and admin and those that support in our community can think about how they can help an, a teacher scale and elevate their own their teaching within the classroom by looking outside, harnessing your mental health, and then also um, looking to that feedback as a way to agilely grow and develop. I don't want to take us down another rabbit hole, but as I hear you saying that, I'm thinking about, um, I've been doing, this spring, I've been thinking a lot, my work in the field has been a lot of curriculum design for next year. That's the great thing about education, right? Is you get to start every year new with all that you learned. (laughs) There's no other, right? There is no real profession that does that. And so thinking about looking back on our year to look forward, one thing that I work really hard on in my current work, but as a classroom teacher and as a consultant, but also support teams of teacher is simple success, right? Really thinking about what is going to help me and students achieve simple success. And I think sometimes out of the goodness of our hearts, we as teachers teach everything under the sun and we get siloed a little bit. So thinking a little bit about, um, you know, what if when I look at my curriculum, I, you know, have cycles of study that I'm going through. And within each cycle of study, I want to have just maybe one or two goals that every learner in my class is going to achieve. And that feels like I can streamline my energy, right? I'm not, 
I'm not teaching my teacher. Sometimes I'm going to just say like my teaching felt scattered sometimes because I was teaching all of these things and trying to help every student. But one thing I think that can scale, that can help our teaching scale is really kind of boiling it down to, to simple success. John Hattie t- in his research talks about success criteria, right? Like learning um, objectives and success criteria, but, you know, in even teaching students, like, what am I learning today? Why am I learning it? And how do I know I learned it? You know, those are just kind of three questions we can ask ourselves as a learner um, and thinking about, okay, across the next 15 days, my job is to teach these two goals and I'm committing to every student in my class will be able to do this. It's not my ceiling, of course, right? But so I think kind of layering our curriculum in some simplicity and simple success sometimes helps us scale. So as you're talking, Renee, I'm thinking exactly what you are landing on is this idea that even if we have a curriculum that's been laid out for us, really looking at that curriculum and being cognizant about what we really want our students to learn and understand. And while there may be some scripts that are that are involved with that, thinking to ourselves, okay, I'm going to I'm going to embrace what's been given to me, but know in my heart that I'm really going to focus on certain pieces. Again, it's that resource. And following that and honoring that as an educator and as a person, that that's what we're going to do. And Although there are often outside influences with that, there's always a way to say we are following the script. We also have to make sure that we are honoring a student's learning and time frame and how they go about learning content because we can get overwhelmed by a waterfall of information and then simply just start blocking out because it's too much at one time as teachers, as students, as parents, as community members, all of those things come together. So a couple of things to walk away with as we start to wrap up here is think about how to scale your teaching by really leveraging your internal. How do you insource your mental capacity? How do you think about your assets, your mental energy? How do you think about receiving feedback and then using that feedback to help guide your next lesson? While it still can be within the standard you may need to think about altering how you're implementing. Is that one-on-one with technology or a peer? Is that bringing in a community member to help support that work with a small group of students in your classroom? Is it thinking about still growing your own craft and, and doing something like a monthly professional development or joining a local meetup group or local uh, activity where it helps to engage and really revitalize that love that you have for reading and math and science? and all the above. Think about harnessing your expertise and really niching down in that and knowing the simple success that you can bring by sharing your expertise with your students. We invite you to join us on the Living Your Learning journey and you know, be a part of what we're doing. Help us really make professional development and learning relevant for educators, for our communities, and in turn, The ultimate goal is to make our students successful, period. So you can find out more information at liveinyourlearning.education. You can follow us on the social platforms at Live Your Learning because Living Your Learning was already 
gobbled up in some capacity. So we're Live Your Learning. And sign up uh, on liveinyourlearning.education for our newsletter, for subscriptions to have out, more information about when uh, the release is coming very shortly. And if you're already, this is past July, then you can sign up now to receive your monthly subscription. And Renee, tell them a little bit about how they can find out more about you and your individual work with Read, Write, Think with Renee, um, because she's also an incredible literacy facilitator and all things around reading, you want her as a part of your school. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, Sharon. Um, so I am at readwritethinkwithrenee.com is my website, soon to be refreshed and released. Very excited for in August, so be on the lookout for that. And we're mostly on Instagram at readwritethinkwithrenee. Um, and so we're super excited. We're, again, refreshing our website to really think about this idea of um, as I heard you say that, Sharon, is um, Grant Wiggins talks about, uh, the late Grant Wiggins talks about that standards are not curriculum. We've got our standards, right, to drive us, but we as teachers are empowered to interpret those standards in a curriculum. Um, and so that is something we do at Read, Write, Think is we look at those standards in reading and in writing. Um, uh, and we think, okay, how can we convert these standards into a curriculum, you know, a day-by-day cycle of study? Um, and I think we could do that probably in mathematics, right? And in science, and we can look at all the foundational skills. So I'm grateful for those standards, but I think what we can do together is then convert them into what does that look like in my day-to-day teaching? Absolutely. That's what we and, do a read, write, think. Yes. And I think what you do is an incredible opportunity to court, to map it out for a year, provide the content for you to apply no matter what discipline you're learning. Uh, it's just an incredible way to think through your process of, in, of integrating or thinking about literacy across the board and not just as a separate class. And if you'd like to know more about what I do with the dot consulting, integrating computer science and technology into your culture and thinking about how you use that technology for some of that one-on-one instruction and using it in a way not to be feared like Zoom or a basic learning management system, but thinking about programming and uh, software that you can create with using technology and not just consume platforms that can integrate literacy and mathematics and science and social studies and taking all of those and making this wonderfully uh, beautiful circle. You can find out more about that at the dotconsulting.co. And then again, our goal here today is to think about how do you leverage your expertise, your resources to really scale your mastery to the next level so that when you walk in each day to your classroom, you're excited to be there And when you are finished for the day, you're ready to go home and celebrate what you have done in the school and then be with family, friends, or wherever else you choose to share your life and your energy with. So thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of Coding the Future. Thank you, Renee Hauser, for being with us. And we will see you all next week with another incredible expert from the field. And thank you for your time. Thank you again. I'm so honored that you've shared your time. If you've enjoyed the show, uh, check us out on Coding the Future on the Voice America platform or on any of the podcast apps at Coding Your Future. All right. We'll see you all next time. Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then.